This is the show that brings to the forefront newsmakers, entertainers, and those making a difference in our lives and in our world. Each week is a new adventure with topics ranging from the most serious and cutting edge to the most lighthearted and entertaining. This is Taking Care of Business with Richard Solomon. Hey, it's Richard Solomon. Keep listening. But here it is. After all these years, my father's place is back again. It's music to our ears. All right, Richard Solomon taking care of business and my father's place radio and continuing our music journey. We have Johnny Rulo with us. Hey, how hey, are you? Good, man. How you doing? All right. Now, this, this is an amazing song because this is like the theme song for My Father's Place. And you opened the first, you were like the first guy to play there at the new My Father's Place. Right. First band to play the new stage. Wow. So let's hear, let's hear a couple more bars. They close the old place down, but it's been resurrected right back in its own hometown. Here it is. All right, so people who have heard me on the radio and doing promotional spots for my father's place, including show us your memorabilia uh, because we want to put it in our digital museum, that, that's going to be a familiar tune. So welcome. Thanks for being in our studios. Happy to be here. And uh, so, okay, so you actually played at the original My Father's Place. Oh, yeah. And what was the name of your bands in those days? Uh, the name of the band was Johnny Castro and the Convertible. Ah, now, so if that, tell us about that because that's semi, semi-historic. Okay, so what happened was um, I met this dude in Queens College. He sat behind me in English class, and he was whispering Buffalo Springfield lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so I turn around, and I said, this guy's got, this guy's got to be cool. Was it Steven Stills? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> So anyway, a, a, friend, a friendship began, and uh, we started writing songs together. And, um, you know, we were writing pop songs and country songs and all kinds of songs, and then punk, punk music got popular. And um, we were going, oh, man, we can, do, we can do this. So in two weeks' time, we wrote 40-something songs, and we tried to make them as deranged as possible. I mean, these were sick songs. So um, we put this band together of... Uh, Four guys, very, very, very mediocre players, but we rehearsed seven days a week, and we got really tight, and it was, um, uh, what the heck, it was, it was just a shock, you know? And uh, we were looking for places to play, so there was this little bar across the street from my father's place called The Little Club, and we went in there, and we see if we can get a gig, and the guy goes, well, you got to audition. <laughs> so we said, uh, all right, and he said, Wednesday night is audition night. So we called everybody we knew. Uh, friends, relatives. We had tons of friends, and we filled this place up. At, and the guy was panicking because he hadn't, he didn't have enough waiter and a waitress help, you know. So and, we, and maybe not enough of a CFO. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he called, he called the staff in, and um, you know, it didn't matter how good or bad we were. He said, um, he said, how soon can you guys play here? So we said, oh, this weekend. So. We, we we became regulars at this place, and the place was constantly crammed. And one day, Epi comes over, and he goes, what the heck, man? What's going on over here? So I, re- I remember one night, Eddie Money was playing at my father's place, and he came across the street. And he Eddie wanted, Money came. Eddie, yeah. Eddie Money came across the street, and he wanted, to, you know, he wanted to see what was going on in this place. So my sister was taking two bucks at the door, and she wouldn't let him in. He goes, you know who I am? And she goes, I don't care who you are. If you don't have $2, you ain't coming in. <laughs> so long story short, Epi comes in, and Epi's checking us out. And uh, Did Epi pay for the 2 bucks yeah, for any money? <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> but um, uh, Epi comes in, and he's checking us out, and then uh, he comes up to me, and he goes, uh, hey, how would you like to play my place? And I knew who he was and everything, and I was excited, you know. And I said, sure. And... Uh, we ended up, he ended up calling me or I called him or something. And uh, we became 
regulars there. We were opening up for everybody, you know. So tell me, who did you open up for? We opened up for Talking Heads. Wow. We opened up for the Ramones. We opened up for Southside Johnny and the Jukes. Um, We opened up for Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe, Rockpile, uh, Mike Bloomfield, Rick Derringer, uh, Papa John. It was was, Wow. (laughs) Evie had a built-in opening (laughs) act with us. But it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Were you close enough to being the house band? Um, For a period, yeah. 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 So what years was this? I think it was 78, 79. And how many members were in the band? Four. Four, okay. And what happened was, what happened was, Epi kind of liked me. You know, he saw, you know, he goes, you're the guy, you know. He goes, uh, and uh, it was crazy. He said I had to get a better band. And we started replacing members, and I felt, I felt really horrible about it because these guys I was playing with were my buddies, and I was young at the time. And I saw, you know, you know, fame and fortune, and uh, I don't know, who knows? Yeah, it's like I, I remember seeing a famous movie scene where some guy goes up to a girl he's dating, and then all of a sudden he goes, "I don't fancy you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, she's crushed, and the guy looks like a heel, but I have a feel that's, that was sort of like what this was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was tough, but what the heck. All right, so then, so tell me about the progression. So you replace the people. Did you, so you replace all three? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, all three. And then... Um, sent, sent them on the gangplank? <laughs> then um, Epi, signed, uh, Epi and I signed uh, a management contract. And he put the band in the studio, and uh, I actually, he got us into, he, he got us hooked up with uh, Columbia Records, or Epic Records, and we were in CBS Studios making some demos, and then Epi actually started his own record company. We put a single out, and, uh, you know, we gave it a gallon try, but shit happens, right? That, that's an FCC problem that we'll fix. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll believe it. I just... <laughs> It's all right. We have that's what we have engineers and editors for. <laughs> all right. So so things happen. Yeah. So um, you know um, he he was trying he was trying to you know get us a deal and uh, then some stuff. We had some problems with the band and um, switched members and this guy didn't get along with that guy and eventually eventually moment we lost momentum and the whole thing just fell apart and then Epi um, got me a publishing deal or well, he, he didn't get it for me he opened the door for me and got a publishing deal with um uh Koppelman music back then you know which was you know which was pretty nice writing songs and making a few bucks but uh then uh then i had to get a real job okay well yeah rea- reality bites <laughs> okay and what was the real job um you're not going to believe it, but I worked for UPS for 25 years. Wow. Okay. So, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Listen, I got to retire young, got a pension, and uh, the, the whole way I kept meeting people who played music, and all throughout my career, can't tell you how many bands I started, uh, all original bands, and all great tunes, if I have to say so myself. Okay. But, you know, there was never any place to play, you know? If you weren't a cover band... You weren't working. A sad reality. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. look, you know, in, in many ways, it's like, you know, authors can't necessarily uh, break into markets because the only people that sell are the established, you know, exactly. people. Everybody wants to read like, you know, the, the you know, what is it? The, the Robert Ludlum book. Or right. The, or, or, you know, whatever, like the Jack Ryan series, right. whatever it is, because, you know, I guess, or Harry Potter or whatever. But, but if you have like, look, you know, I, I've seen people who have written tremendous, brilliant Star Trek episodes. You know, they go to the science fiction fairs, they love it, and they've written beautiful stuff, but somehow they just can't get through the gauntlet sure, you know, of sure. protection or whatever it is. Yeah. And yet there's a lot of untapped stuff out there. Yep, now, I know right. that, uh, oh, by the way, Epi, Epi is Michael Epstein. He's the, the, the originator of my father's place for people who may not know who we're talking about. It's almost like we're having this conversation <laughs> and we, we may not have included everybody in on who Epi is. Although, if you look at uh, Wikipedia and you look up Epi, you'll see right. it's either Brian Epstein <laughs> or, or Michael, Michael Epstein. Because <laughs> I, I interviewed uh, 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 Jeremy Clyde and I said, do you know Epi? And he goes, you mean 
You mean Brian Epstein? I'm not, no, 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 <laughs> Michael Epstein. <laughs> a different Epi. <laughs> you know, one of the cool, by the way, one of the cool things about this show for people listening is we have a very expansive catalog of people that we've interviewed. Um, not that in the, in the recent past. So there's Kate Taylor, there's Jeremy Clyde, there is Vista, the people from Vista Hill, there's Blu rays. So we, and then Johnny Rulo. So we just, we just, there's great people out there, and and sadly, just like there's not a lot of places for people to perform new music, there's not a lot of musician interviews out on the radio. You know, they really that that sort of disappeared. Also, uh, one of my favorites was Rockline with Bob Coburn. He was on for 33 years, right? But sadly, he he died, and you know, I guess he he wrapped it up about maybe a year or two before he died. But yeah, he was great, you know. And then with all the you know, then yeah, I remember listening to the radio a long time ago, and then. I don't know if somebody was playing at the garden or some other venue, and all of a sudden be like, "Oh yeah, here's so and so, here's the Who, here's Elton John." Yeah, they'll be playing tonight, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and they come in, and they tell a couple of jokes, they maybe play a few songs. Uh, they never necessarily took a call. Uh, maybe they gave away a couple of tickets, but at least you heard a little bit and you gave a little bit of an insight. And usually they were promoting an album or something like that. Um, but that's gone. That's really gone. Even satellite doesn't really do that much yeah. interviews per se. There's a lot of like news about musicians, or there'll be album launches or things like that, or you'll have some rock and roll people actually do their own radio shows. I know, like on Access TV, I think Ron Wood has right, you right. Know, a, a new show that's new show, popping yeah. out, and of course Tom Petty had Buried Treasures. Uh, Dylan had Theme Time Radio, but but those were. They, they weren't necessarily talking about themselves per se so much as they were right. kind of doing what I do, which is kind of interviewing and right. talking and, and playing, playing music. Playing their favorite yeah. music. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, but, but I like to actually find out things like, all right, so you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in College Point, Queens. All right. I'm, I know College Point well because I, inter- I, I represent a lot of people there <laughs> in my legal life. So a lot of the construction companies. So, you know, that whole – now, do you remember, because you probably do – uh, when Speed's Airport oh, yeah. was there, mm-hmm. and that's where the Goodyear Blimp. That's where the Beatles landed. Is that right? They land, They didn't land at LaGuardia? They landed, they landed at, at, at Speed's, Speed's Airport, Airport when wow. they played at Shea Stadium. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Now, there, I, I interviewed You could see it from my, house, from my house. If you stood on my front steps, right. you, you could see the airport, you know? And, oh, I, and cool. I had my binoculars out, and I was hoping I could see the Beatles. Now, now many, many years ago, the, the Goodyear blimp used to land there. Right. And then they used to circle around, and then I guess they did various things where they ran, you know, like a digital display. But they don't they don't really do that much anymore. No. But I remember that. And then, I don't know, the airport closed up, and then it kind of became sort of a swamp. Yeah. You know, I know there's like a fight over, like, you know, they want to develop it, but... You uh, got to see what it looks like now. It's, it's swampy. It's all, no, it's all, it's all uh, shopping malls. Well, no, the, 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 the airport part that's still contained is swampy, but like 20th Avenue became all, you know, big box stores. Right, right. And, you know, the whole bit. And then they put... You know, I guess a little bit of an athletic field somewhere, and then there's that that, that do you re- spa. Do you remember Adventureland? Of course. In fact, <laughs> Adventures in it Adventures was called. Adventures in, yeah. Right. For, okay, do you remember Golf City? Golf Had the slide, right. the big slide. <laughs> right. I never went on it, but passed by it a thousand <laughs> times a year. And it was like, I wonder what that's like, you know? <laughs> and then I and I remember Adventures in hung on for a long time because they had that arcade right. on the corner. Right. And it, it hung in for a long time because even after they got rid of the rides, the amusement stuff. They had the bakery and the deli also. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it, it hung in there. And then one day it got like bulldozed. And I'm like, oh, man. Because, yeah. you know, that for a lot of people of, of Queens, North Queens, East Queens, whatever, um, that was just iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, did you ever go like to Fort Totten as a kid? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what was kind of cool was um, when I went to school, there were a lot of kids whose parents were from the military, and there was the old fort. So what we used to do, and it was incredibly dangerous, but we used to play in the old fort. You know, there was unfinished stuff. There were open walls. and You could have fallen and gotten killed or really yeah. badly hurt, but we just hung out there because it was, you know, that was the thing to do. My, my mom is still with us. Thank God, yes. And living in the same house I grew up in. You know, in College, college point? point? Yeah. And, you know, when I go visit, it's like, what what happened? Actually, nothing happened. It's all the same. <laughs> no, it's changed. Well, I mean, the, the thing that's a little sad about College Point is it's so packed. You can't find a parking spot in any of the streets. 
You know, it's just so dense. Yeah, now, now, but back then it was. No, no, there was, yeah. yeah, it was different back then. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember? Um, was it Kent Cleaners? Do you remember them? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kent Cleaners was this big thing by by junior high school 194. Right. right. And it was big. Yeah. I remember. We used to play there also. <laughs> All these places that we went to are, would be considered either hazmat sites today <laughs> right. or, or OSHA <laughs> violation zones. In fact, you know, uh, do you remember um, on the Cross Island Parkway Service Road, there was something called GTE Sylvania Labs? And it's where Bay Bridge Commons is now. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. kind of next to the Clearview Golf right, Course. Right, right, right. From what I understand and what I've read, uh, uh, there was in the 1950s or so, there was a explosion. There was like a nuclear explosion there. And it was like, I forgot the name of the chemical, but it was like a radioactive element. And there was a, like a lot of reports and there was some kind of a congressional investigation from what I remember reading. But then it was dormant for a long time. And then one day, I guess they decided, okay, scare's over. And they just built condos on it. You wow. Know? And who knows if they really cleaned it up or not, you know. But there's a lot of people who live there. Yeah. You know? I don't know. And and yet we played. <laughs> Here's the thing that's really sad. That was a nuclear accident site. And we played there. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. we're fine. <laughs> well, for, for today. <laughs> so, so you grew up there. Did, so, when we, we only have like uh, two minutes. Okay. Uh, do you remember your first band? You know, was it like were you like in oh, yeah. high school? Oh yeah, I was in grammar school. All right. Well, and, uh, what, 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 what kind of band was it? That was uh, <laughs> it was crazy. It was a band. It was a band um, playing. You know, the music of the time. We were playing the Stones and the Birds and stuff like that and Beatles. And uh, we were we were we were awful, but we got a gig at Bobby Cook's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like that commercial for I think is it the insurance company where they go Danger Kitty. You know they were famous in the eighties, and now the last thing they did before they broke up was the Finkelstein bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so you you're in elementary school. You had a band. Um, so I guess we'll do this when you, we come back. We got to definitely talk about maybe your musical influences because I hear about the Beatles landing at Speed's Airport okay, okay. and all this other stuff. All right. So Richard Solomon and John Rulo, uh, we'll be right back. Keep listening. We're going we're gonna to play some tunes and we're going to tell stories and we're going to have a great time. So keep it locked in. We'll be right back. All right, Richard Solomon and Johnny Rulo taking care of business at my father's place radio. We're kind of like going in the whole time machine and talking about, you know, Queens and growing up and all this other stuff. And, and we were talking during the break, which you guys missed out on, uh, about Milkmaid. Milkmaid. <laughs> and you wrote the Milkmaid Blues. Yeah, milk, we used to <laughs> hang out on Milkmaid and I had a song called Milkmaid Blues. Now, for, for those who don't know what Milkmaid was, I guess it was... Like the predecessor to Carvel, it was like wasn't it like a combination of Carvel and, and like a like, burger joint? Yeah, it was like you know, it was like Dairy Queen kind yeah, of. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but it was I, like Arnold's. Yeah, exactly, days. exactly. Was, except there was no Arnold. You know, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember like Milkmaid back in those days. It was cool. You know, yeah. it's like it's like if you were good, that's where you got to go. <laughs> you know, if you got punished, you went to Wetsons. <laughs> you know, and then of course. Um, uh, the iconic White Castles was was still there and still is there to this day. Yeah. A lot of those businesses and, and institutions all gone, you know? Honestly, I'm amazed that White Castle's still kicking. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now they have veggie burgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like White Castle is like uh, the, the Catholic Church of burger joints. How is it still existing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I couldn't help me. Let's put it this way. They're, they're both timeless. <laughs> all right. So... So tell me about the Milkmaid Blues as a song. It, oh, it was just, you know. It was, it was a goofy song? It was a goofy song, yeah. Because me and all my friends, we used to hang out at Milkmaid, you know, and, you know, meet chicks and stuff like that, you know. See, but, now you see, nowadays you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where are you going to meet chicks? I, yeah. well, I don't know. I, I've heard that the Milkmaid was the place, but it's I, gone. I, I, think we, I think we called it Milkmaid Blues because none of us could get girlfriends or something. <laughs> Maybe because they were all at Kent Cleaners or <laughs> one of the other places. All right, so, so who did you love listening to growing up? Growing up. Well, 
you know, the influences for your, your well, when I was a when I Bobby was, Cook. When I was a really when I was a really young kid, you know, pre Beatles and all that stuff, but my parents got me uh, uh, a little record player and some forty fives. And uh, my first two records were Teenage Idol by Ricky Nelson. Okay. And Venus in Blue Jeans by Jimmy, I think his name was Jimmy Clanton or Jimmy Clayton, something like that. We, so we, we could consult, you know, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I knew I I knew I was liking music way back then and of course like every other kid in the world the Beatles you know after you see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan you know it's an epiphany <laughs> I gotta do this okay so how, how were you exposed to the Beatles were you exposed on the radio were you exposed um, yeah the radio word of mouth radio. magazine okay. first time I heard them first time I heard the Beatles it was on the red transistor radio in my, in my parents kitchen and Herb Oscar Anderson on ABC radio played I Wanna Hold Your Hand and the first time I listened to it, I, God, I, I don't know how old I was, but I was young. And I said, uh, what the heck is this? <laughs> you know, after you're used to hearing the Four Seasons and everything, you go, what the heck is this? And then it took a little time, but it grew on me because I was nuts when I was a kid. Unlike I, now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have every 45 on the top 20. It didn't matter if it was good or bad, if I liked, I just had to own them. You know, I even bought like sukiyaki. Do you remember that? Yeah, song? yes. <laughs> you know, but I, oh, I had to have every, every single. So I was, you know, I, but okay. Jimmy Clayton. It was Jimmy Clayton. There's well, is there's Jimmy Clinton, is an American singer who became known as the swamp pop R&B teenage idol. He had a hit song, "Just a Dream." Who that, did, who is did, that the guy you were talking about? I don't did, know. Who did Venus in Blue Jeans? I, I don't know. All right. So that's a different search. <laughs> All right. So hold on. Venus and... In. Venus in Blue In Blue Jeans. Jeans. Oh, there you go. In Blue Jeans. See, see we, we spare no expense <laughs> here doing, you know, research and engineering. So here we go. Venus in Blue Jeans. Ah, Jimmy Clinton. There Jimmy you go. Clinton, okay. My Venus in blue jeans is everything I'd hope she'd be, a teenage goddess from above, and she belongs to, to me. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I sit at the dinner table at night with the radio on, and whenever we don't, you know, whenever we don't know who, who the song is by or what the song is, you know, you just go, hey, you know, hey, Google, what song is this? It's amazing. Yeah, I remember there was like a, a program called like Soundhound or something on your cell phone, and you're... Play, like if you're in like a store and they were playing something on the PA system, you just kind of hold it up and and they would like listen to it and they go, oh yeah, that's uh, right. you know that's so and so. And the know? most obscure <laughs> songs, they know it's right. amazing. It's like you know, it's like uh, it, it, it's like oh yeah, that's Milk Bay Blues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let, let's. I like to play music. So th this is a song called Wake Up People. Should we should we, should we explore that? Yeah, why not? Why well, you set it up? Set up that song. What's that song? Okay, this is from the band, my band, my current band, the Molotov Cocktails, um, which morphed out of my cover band. Okay, uh, we we said that love. <laughs> my cover, my cover band called the Cocktails. Right, and 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 this is from an album called Wake, Wake Up, Up Call. Call. So this is the yeah. cover track. Here you yeah. go. All right, hold on. So let's get a little listen. So this is Johnny Rulo. It's all part of the plan. 
Richard Salmon, Johnny Rulo. We're listening to the album called, and this is actually an album, The Molotov Cocktails, called Wake Up Call. And there's actually some cool stuff about this. The first thing is it actually opens up and there's liner notes inside, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Uh, there's some very interesting song titles, such as Turn Off Your TV, Made in China, and Just Because That's What They Taught Us. Um, and I noticed that there's a, someone with the same last name as yours. Right. That's my son. All right. And he plays drums? Yeah. All right. Cool. Drums backing vocals. And it says, thanks to all of you who donated to our Kickstarter campaign to make this undertaking possible. So talk about that. Let's hear it. Okay. So what happened was I had this, like I said, I had this cover band. And uh, my partner in the cover band is a guitar player, Joe, who's the, also the guitar player in the Model of Cocktails. And, um, and when you're a cover band, you wear mustaches and fake glasses yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> cheap beards, <laughs> <Right>. blue hair. <laughs> so I came up with this idea. I said, you know, there's nobody writing songs, at least that I've heard of, on, or that you don't hear anything on the radio, where people are saying something about, you know, what's going on in the world. I mean, the world is, you know. In turmoil. In turmoil, exactly. But everywhere. I mean, it's just but locally, statewide. Yeah, but like, I remember, you know, I remember like loving the Jefferson Airplane, volunteers, and, you know, everybody was singing songs about, you know, you know things that mattered. And I said, you know, we need that again. So I got busy and I started, you know, writing a bunch of songs. And um, then I did a, a Kickstarter campaign. I said, you know, we got to go into the studio with this. And I told my son, I said, I'll only do this if you do this with me. And I played him the songs and he loved them. And uh, he's an awesome drummer. I mean, people want, pe- people want him to play in their bands <laughs> because he's like a metronome. You know, he's one of the few guys that could play with uh, with tracks and be right on the money. So um, he said, yeah, Dad, let's do this. So I said, all right, I did a Kickstarter campaign and, and raised $4,000. I bet. That's Chevy. And you know what? After, well, right after I did this, like somebody, I know somebody close to me did a Kickstarter, like a GoFundMe because they had breast cancer. And I felt, oh, jeez, you know. <laughs> But anyway, we uh, we made uh, we made some money to get started, and uh, you know, then we put some of our own money in to get this done, and uh, it was great. We actually we recorded it at Sabella Studios. If I could, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Sabella. No, but let's hear it. Let's uh, hear Jimmy, it's an awesome studio in Roslyn. Um, just just a just real, right down the road. Yeah, just a real warm, you know, old, old that good feeling vintage studio with old analog equipment everything this is a really great place great place to work anyway and uh we did this album and uh i figured we got him <laughs> naked with this material but here we are three years later it, it, there's there's something called the long tail uh and uh, that's that because 
you don't need to have immediacies of sales anymore. You have the long tail, which is you just you could just keep selling. It's not like it's like okay, you can you can publish your book today, but if it doesn't sell within the three months and the bookstore takes you off, you can still have a, a longer life, right. you know, on the internet. So this this is out there. I'm it's, not even you know, it's not even about money because you know, I don't. Not that I don't need money, but I don't need money. I'm comfortable, you know. I just want people to hear it. That's it. So where do they get this? Where can they buy this? They can get that at CD Baby. Okay. And they can get it at Amazon. Okay. And iTunes. All your, you know, all your digital. Uh, do you think that maybe there's a marketing issue that people are afraid to Google or search Molotov that, cocktails? <laughs> without a doubt. Because, because Epi said, maybe you want to call the band the Johnny Rulo band. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it's like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're Googling, you know, um, I, I want to buy Molotov cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. And, and there's a knock on the door. <laughs> you know, after the fact, I, I, I didn't think to do this, but uh, we Googled Molotov cocktails and Back in the punk heyday, there was a band called the Molotov Cocktails that were oh really were like extreme punk. You know, they didn't they didn't sound like this. But uh, so, yeah, so why do you call yourselves the Molotov Cocktails? Not, cons- not obviously not consulting your internet brand management t- well, target trademark. The people. reason we did it was an inside joke because our cover band was called the Cocktails. I got you. So I said, ah, we'll call, we'll do a band, we'll do an original band with all these songs about you know becoming aware and stuff like that, and with the poli- politics and religion. We'll call it the Molotov Cocktails. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> are, are you a fan of The Simpsons? I love the Simpsons. The Flaming (laughs) Moe's. Remember the Flaming Moe? He invented this, you know, Moe, whatever his last name is, Clapchick or whatever his name is. I love the Simpsons and I love Family Guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that stuff. You know, I I love the talking dog. (laughs) All right. So there's a song here called Turn Off Your TV and Just Because That's What They Taught Us. Which one should we play for a few minutes before we fade into the break? Uh, let's go with just because that's what they told All us. All right, so set that up while I move over here. Okay, basically it's um, everything we learn, folks, is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> just because that's what they told us Doesn't make it necessarily true And just because that's what they showed us Sunday school they taught me Jesus died for my sins And though it's kind of crazy Well it was more than I saw him If I chose not to believe it They said I'd burn in hell But it doesn't seem like Jesus as far as I could tell Just because that's what they told us Doesn't make it necessarily true And just because that's what they showed us Doesn't mean that's what we have to do They said it was Columbus Sail the ocean blue Discovering America In 1492 Made him out to be a hero Someone to idolize But our history books are nothing more Than candy-coated lies All right, this is Richard Solomon with Johnny Rulo. We're listening to his song, Just Because That's What They Taught Us. We'll be right back after this quick break. It really was a drag. 
Richard Solomon. Taking care of business, my father's place radio. We are listening to an album called Johnny Rules, and this is the third song, Under the Moon and Stars. We're with Johnny Rulos. We're going to play a little bit of this. This is not a Molotov cocktail song. Richard Solomon, Johnny Rulo. So, you're you're listening to this song on your headphones. What were you What were you thinking and experiencing? Because, you know, I hear it one way because 
it's not me, but you're listening to it. What are you what are you focusing on? Is it, you know, the way the song is structured or I should have done this <laughs> or I really like that or I um I love I love that song. It's a great uh, song. Yeah, uh, it's a great song. And Ray Ray my friend Ray is playing guitar on this and uh just I just, when I'm when I'm listening to them squeeze those notes out, they just you know. I mean, for me, they give me goosebumps. I love. I, I don't. No matter how many times I listen to that song, I just I love it more. And and the lyrics, it's it's pretty autobiographical. You know, it's like you know, you turn around and you find I find you find yourself at this age, and you're going where the t- where did the time go? Where the hell did the time go? Yeah, well, you know. And here we are, under the moon and stars, you know, um, acting out our parts, uh, fulfilling our destinies, you know. I don't know. I think. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you feel that you've accomplished and what do you feel that you've yet to accomplish in music? In music. Well, I just... My brain never stops. I'm, I'm, I'm That's con- good. <laughs> I'm, con- I'm constantly, constantly thinking. I'm always writing. Um, uh, songs pour out of me like crazy. Um, you know, I'm wise enough to know that at this this time in my life, you know, and, and just just the way things are on the the, the whole rock star thing is over is over a long time ago. But you know, I just want to keep writing and recording if I can. Just to share it, that's it. Just so people could listen and you know say, "Hey, that was pretty cool," you know. That's it. That's it. And leave a leave something for my kids and my my grandchildren. My daughter, my one of my daughters said to me, "Dad, when you die, I want all your songs." <laughs> <laughs> well, she could have them now. <laughs> <laughs> one one daughter wants my books. Uh, my other daughter wants my songs, and my son wants all my equipment. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but to some. Uh, I just want to I just want to mention the guys in the uh, Molotov cocktails. So why don't you mention both bands? So okay, okay. So let's go with the Molotov. Co- who's in the Molotov cocktails? Molotov cocktails is was me, my son, um, Joe Volpe on guitar and vocals. Uh, Joe also plays with me in a in a cover band. And this and this uh, fellow I found on Craigslist, uh, bass player Richie Albertson, uh, great find. Just wonderful guy. Just a, hey, they named the town after him. <laughs> right, <Island. laughs> exactly. And Glenn Campbell wrote a, sang a song about it. Albertson, <laughs> oh Albertson, right? But um, yeah, and then uh, this uh, this guy who I who I knew know, knew from College Point way back in the days uh, through Facebook, you know, popped back into my life. His name is Aldi Simone, and he replaced my son on the drums. Ah, so, they, so and he was the one who played at my father's. He place. played at my father's place. So yes, that, by the way. <laughs> If, if there are people who videotape this or whatever, uh, it was a great show. It was a great show. Hopefully, there'll be nuggets of that on YouTube. I'm sure we have the actual sound. Oh, know, it's all out there. On every, almost every song is on YouTube somewhere. All right, good. That's a, good. A friend of mine. Uh, and uh, this Johnny Rules thing. Yeah, so who's on this album? Okay, this is, a, a, believe it or not, this guy I used to work with at UPS. You know, uh, that I never even knew played anything. One day somebody comes up to me and said, hey, listen to this tape. And the guitar playing was just incredible. I said, who is that? He goes, that's Ray. His name is Ray Risso. And um, one day he calls me up. He knows I write songs. And he goes, hey, Johnny, why don't you come over with a couple of songs? So um, I did. And he has a home studio. And uh, Got to have the home studio. Yeah, home you got to have the home studio. And he, it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, one song led to 14. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, had somebody come in and mix it up and everything like that. And uh, there we go. We put it out, you know. So what would you say is the genre of music of Johnny Rules? What kind of music is this? Uh, Johnny Rules is... Um, more ballady? It's, it's a little bit of everything. More intro, introspective? Uh, or is yeah, it's it? introspective. There's a, there's a cool country song on there called um, The Closer I Get. It's about a guy who wants to give it all up and move to Nashville. It's a pretty cool song. <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, political songs, and there's a song, uh, a song called "Fake News," which uh, is uh, kind of satirical on uh, the whole fake news thing we got going on today. Uh, it's, some of it's very powerful, rocking. Some of it's mellow. You know, right, cool. it's a nice mix. 
And there's a couple of songs on there that the Molotov cocktails also do. Um, um, Only Love Matters and Before It Gets Too Late. So would you say that the Molotov cocktails is a cover band of Johnny Rules? <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't tell Effie. <laughs> um, so what would you like to do as your future music? Um, a live album? Um, greatest Hits? Um, I mean, I have so many. I have thousands of songs. Have you have you ever decided to take one song from every like every five years and do like a that would be a cool. chronology like and you call the album like progression? Yeah, and it's like yeah, that would be like cool. you have a song from like 70, <laughs> right, 75, right. 80, 85, 90, you know, because because I'm sure that both you and the world were moving in all kinds of directions, and what was compelling you to say something probably kept changing exactly you know exactly because i'm sure when everybody's younger it's more about love and disappointment <laughs> right. you know and then as you get older it's more about bitterness and disappointment <laughs> yeah, when, you're, when you're young it's all about sex and then when you get old it's like who cares about sex well you know that's that's the, the i'll tell you a joke offline you know but but the punchline is i'll have the soup <laughs> you know the joke i know the joke i'll have the I'll soup, have the soup. <laughs> For those who know the joke, that is a great joke. It is a great joke. But if I'd not like, just private message me. I'll tell you. This, I'll, I'll tell you. This. I but wish yeah. I could live in a studio and just just keep recording music. You know, but you can. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. I can. You know, but you know. Yeah, I like. Yeah. You know, what 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 do you think is the best thing about the music scene now? What is the worst thing about the music scene now? Especially compared to the days when you were doing, you know, lots of live events at the original My Father's Place, yeah. and you were like, "Well, you know, back 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 then, I actually feel sorry for kids today that are even contemplating a career in music. Back then, even though the chances were one in a million that you were going to make it, there were you always had the dream because there were record companies, there were A and R people that used to come out and listen to bands, so you know." You always, you always had that dream, you know. You could always be discovered. You, you could always be discovered, and nowadays there's none of that. There's, there's none of that, and there's not even really a record business anymore. There's, yeah, there's no record business, you know. Yeah. Where did you buy your records growing up? <laughs> Where? <laughs> oh man, EJ Corvettes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I gotta tell you a funny story. I want funny stories. My, my, this is this show's about funny stories. My dad, my dad used. My dad was great. He always uh, he was a wheeler and dealer kind of guy. He was, you know, always making connections. And uh, he made this connection with a guy from uh, CBS. And uh, every week we'd get these big envelopes in the mail with all these albums. And I was getting I was getting albums of groups like Country Joe and the Fish and the Grateful Dead before anybody even knew who wow. they were. And we get tons and tons of albums, and some of them I just didn't like. So we would go to EJ Corvettes in Flushing, and what I would do is I would <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this. The statue of limitation have passed. <laughs> I, would, I would peel the price labels, the stickers, off the records in the store and put them on the ones that I got for free from my dad's friend. And when I'd go in and say, oh, I got this as a gift, and I would like to exchange it for something else. And like it got it got to the point like you know they knew who I was so I started giving my friends records to go in and sm it was pretty cool I had a lot of records in in those days the the albums were like two ninety nine three ninety nine yeah. they were very affordable yeah you know? yeah uh, what were the what were the first albums you remember buying from Corvettes the first not not the CBS freebies but the ones that you actually affirmatively <laughs> bought with your own money jeez. I don't, I, you know what? Who, who are your favorite bands growing up? I used to get so many albums for nothing. I didn't have to buy many. But I, I, remember, I remember waiting for the day that the Jefferson Airplane released Crown of Creation. And I bought it at, remember, Upstairs Music in yes, Flushing? Yes, Yeah, that's where I bought it. Yes, do you remember Gloria Pizza? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who doesn't? <laughs> I think they're still there. I think they're still there. They have a picture think, like of an old bus. I think they moved to Forest Hills. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I, I, I remember a few years ago that they were still there, but yeah. they, were, I, you know, yeah. they were like timeless. My dad brought home, my dad brought home the first Beatles album, Meet the Beatles. 
I remember him walking in the house, and he's holding it up, and like, you think my dad, my father was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. My father actually went to the Fillmore East with me and all my friends to see Jefferson Airplane because he loved Grace Slick. Oh wow, <laughs> and she had such a great voice. Yeah. Um, when you listen to her, either in the airplane or in some of the Starship songs, she has such a, a beautiful voice. Yeah. You know, but she doesn't really do much anymore. No, you know, you know, yeah, like a lot of people did. have retired, and you know, yeah, she's that. Gonna, she's great grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 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 the the two remaining minutes, which which flew this whole well, thing, yeah, just, that was fun. That was fun. Let's <laughs> we have to do another one. But in the two remaining minutes, what do your fans want to know that they don't know? You know, what what what, what do you want to tell them? You know. That, you know, when you go up there and you perform, it's like, you know, it's all business. You have the sound check and you got to, you know, you got to play. You can't like really sit down and go, you know, (laughs) you know, Uh, is there anything you ever want to like, here's your platform. Is there anything you want to say directly to them? Well, I think that I I think that if they just listen to the lyrics of all to to the song, especially the stuff on the uh, wake up call, uh, the, way, the Molotov cocktail. The Molotov cocktails. Maybe they have to do safe search. You know. <laughs> well, well, you, you <laughs> know there are lyrics. There are lyrics enclosed. No, no, I'm saying, uh-huh. I'm saying that when they do the search for the album, oh. they, you know, they have to use like a like a like a, a stealth search. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. And just, then put, I'm not a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now just listen to it because it's pretty much all about, uh, you know. I don't want to. I know you don't like to get into. Politics I don't get to, I don't stuff, do politics. But, it's, but it's just that. Listen, folks. We're, you know, we're all in this together, man. We got to get along and like. Well, that's why we have radio. We can hang out and yeah. tell stories about the milkmaid blues, <laughs> right, right. you know, and, and, and nuclear radiation in the fifties. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if you listen to the Molotov Cocktails uh, album, uh, it, it says it all. So real fast on the on the. My father's place song, just to kind of go full circle. Okay, and that that's a great song. Oh, thank you. You know, it's a great song. It's a fun song. Um, I like when you're playing it. You know, sort of like you know, in front of the hotel or I guess oh, what, the, the video, entrance. The video, yeah, the video. The video. <laughs> that was cool. It was yeah. Very cool. You know, um, in 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 literally thirty seconds. Uh, how long how, did you just film it one day? It was just one of those things. It was like a pop up video. You just filmed it. You know, what happened? That? What happened was I wrote I, I wrote the song. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I did it with my friend Ray, yeah. uh, and I made a quick video of all the stock footage of yeah, yeah. And then one day I get a call from Epp, and he goes, "Listen, I want you to come meet me in Roslyn on Sunday. Blah, 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 we're going to do a video." And he goes, "Bring your guitar." And next thing I know, uh, uh, what's his name, Perry? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Perry and Pete yeah. got me going all around <laughs> Roslyn, lip syncing to this song, and they made and they. And they made the video, which is a lot of fun. All right. That was the fastest hour of radio in America wow. for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. That was Johnny Rula. Thank you for being in the studio. Richard Solomon, we'll see you next week. Keep on rocking. Mm-hmm.